Psalm 34. Psalm 34. A most wondrous psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will make my... Is that right? Yes. I will make... My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord ye his saints for there is no want to them that fear him the young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the lord shall not want any good thing may the lord's blessing to the reading of this portion of this psalm it is not an orphan psalm because we know that david wrote this uh shortly after what traumatic event in life question number one what was the event his time in gath achish king of gath remember he had to actually like uh, his acted insane to escape, and they kicked him out, etc. He faked insanity. Uh, he should not have gone down in the first place. What is an acrostic psalm? Number two, uh, it starts with the succeeding letters of the Hebrew alphabet, 22. Why are there only 22 verses in this psalm? Because Hebrew only has 22 letters in it. And so uh, and what, what does it help with? Memorization. And so I cannot, uh, I cannot, I don't know any of the Hebrew letters hardly at all. So, but it'd be like starting with A and having a letter, a verse with A. By the way, in the New England Primer, that's how they learned their ABCs with a verse for every letter of the alphabet. Uh, three, what Bible Hulk Hogan had four very large brothers? Goliath of Gath. Occupation of Ahimelech of Nob, he was the chief priest. Uh, I, don't, I, I didn't say, I, don't, I looked again, doesn't say high priest, it says priest. Uh, five, he murdered Ahimelech and his associates. Doeg, the Edomite. Who is another famous Edomite? New Testament. Chapter 2 of Matthew. Herod the Great. Great by his own calling. Uh, who joined David in the cave of Adullam? His family, associate, his brethren, and all those who felt became his chosen men, etc. And that's what the last part of the Psalm 11 on is instructive. Remember, he's just come through this, so he's going to praise the Lord at first 10 verses, and then he's going to give a sermon, if you would, the last part of the Psalm. Question number six in Psalm 34, one, what are we reminded of that is an effective antidote to the poison of doubt, depression, and despair? I will bless the Lord. That is it. And so uh, I, was, I, was, I was on 64, and one of the poor, poor, poor guy driving a truck, I was thinking, Mr. Dickens, the guy had this blue smoke coming up out of his tax, and he was just crawling along, blinking his lights. I felt, I felt so bad for him because I didn't know how long he was going to even make it on the road, and we all went around him, but poor fellow, I don't know what happens when that, I don't know what happens when that goes like that, but I know it's not a good sign that he was going really slow. I will bless the Lord at all times. And so it's a lot easier to bless when the things are easy going on, this does not say that. So I thought, as you're turning the page, I will bless the Lord tonight for his 
And you chime in that last word. I will bless the Lord tonight for his mercy. Provision. Goodness. Faithfulness. Kindness. I will bless the Lord at all times, the psalmist says. And remember, he has just been through the terrible ordeal of being among the enemies in the enemy's camp. When one thing after another, if you think back with me to Genesis chapter 42, 36, when one thing after another, uh, I'm going to turn back and read that. You can look back at yourself if you like. Genesis 42, 36 went wrong in Jacob's life. This was said, remember, Joseph's gone, his sons go down to Egypt, and they come back, and Simeon is kept in jail by Joseph, very knowing what he's doing, and they tell their dad, and they want to take Benjamin, and in chapter 42, 36 of Genesis, we find Jacob says for us here, he's lost his zing, and Jacob, their father, said unto them, me ye have bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. And so Jacob, it was, just, it was, it was a, and granted, he did not know that Joseph was alive. Remember, now, what was Benjamin and Joseph? Rachel's only two children, and Rachel had died, given birth, and Migdal Ader, the tower of the flock, where I believe Christ was born, she had given, died, given birth to son of uh, my right hand, Benjamin, and then Joseph, and now they're gone, and now Simeon's gone, and so they want to take Benjamin? Oh, I just can't, everything's against me. But at that very moment, if you look, if, and I look back, at that very moment, Joseph was exalted to the second in command in all of Egypt. When they thought Joseph was gone, oh no, Joseph is very alive and very well and going to be used by God to save Jacob and his family and the entire entourage. That is chapter 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And I thought for just a moment, uh, typically question number eight, I think it is, would the humble enjoy the boastings of people about themselves? Do you enjoy hearing someone get up in front of whatever it is in front of you or talking to you and boast about themselves? Nope, I don't think so. We call them pompous. We call them stuck up, bloated, self-important, egotistical, conceited, superior, etc., etc., etc. Bible says pride goeth before destruction. Even in our own country, we have made almost a god out of pride. Have you ever noticed how many things now, I'm proud about this, I'm proud about this? God just really does not like pride, period, in any capacity. I personally think pride's not a garment that makes anyone look good. And so it, it, it is not really that. And so we have to be, well, James speaks to it most eloquently. James chapter 4, verse 6 says for us, James 4, 6. <laughs> but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So when it says here that the verse says for us, and back in 34, chapter 34, verse 2, it is, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Now see that last little prepositional phrase changes everything. My soul shall make her boast 
in the Lord. So when we are boasting, it is about, it is about uh, the Lord. That's what we should be boasting about. And, and, and that's what should be the focus of what we have, what God has done for us. Isn't God amazing? It is. Typically, and again, but the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Why? Because his boast is in the right direction. I tire. I stop listening long before the braggart can, stops talking because I just really turns me off. Any, and I know there's some people who are really good at what they do, but let other people praise you and not your own lips. I think the Bible says something similar to that. So our boasting question nine should obviously be in what? The Lord. Now we've learned, please help me out here. What is the capital L-O-R-D? What name for God is that? Jehovah. The Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. And so we call it Yahweh. They put the vowels in there. That's the, that's the self-existent one. That's, the, that's Jehovah's name. And so we find that our boasting should be in that. He is worthy. He is worthy. Uh, I was thinking of prideful people. In the, there were several prideful people. I was jotting down notes in the Bible. There was, uh, there was uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Haman and different ones. The rich, uh, the rich man, the rich young ruler had pride. Uh, the rich man and Lazarus, etc. And so we find there's a lot who have to struggle with pride. And so I even got a, I even got a coffee cup today. My uh, office mate gave me a coffee cup. I said, of course I talk to myself. Sometimes I need expert advice. And so uh, he got me, I guess I talked to myself. I didn't know it, but I know it now. Uh, the, the humble are, we're usually grieved at boastings. They, they turn us aside from, I'm turned off by that. But when you boast in the Lord, just tell me more. Tell me what's God done for you this week. Let's praise, praise him. I'll praise you to get, praise him together. What's the Lord provided this or done this or watched over that? And so when we boast in the Lord, the humble hear thereof and are glad. We can be confident. The confident expressions of the soulless of God, the S-O-L-A-C-E, the soulless of God, how he comforts us. We ought to talk of the Lord's goodness on purpose that others may be confirmed in their trust in a faithful God. Are you trusting God just because he gives you this or, or gives you that? Or are you really trusting God for who he is? I've been reading an excellent book. You cannot borrow it. Excellent book on Job. And it, it's, it's, the first, it's worth the first chapter, worth the book. And, and it's interesting. I've learned, and I, do, you, do, you, do you like to... You long to learn more about God. That, I, I trust that you do. I can tell you how that gets ramped up. The more you do it, the more you want to know. The more you learn about how good God is. And verse 3, this tags right on there, believe it or not. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And now what does that, I'm just thinking, oh, now this is my own personal ideology. Magnify, if I get out my magnifying glass and I start looking at something, Wow, man, that's amazing how, how clear it becomes. And wow, it's even better than I thought. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And the more you know about, it's not a magnifying glass, the more you know about God, the more, he, he, doesn't he get better? Amen. He does. And, and the more you, and you look at that, you say, wow, God, you're just, the fact that you're upholding all things by the word of your power, the fact that when in Job chapter 1, that Satan and his other emissaries, emissaries had to come before God. Now, just, you just take, we just take that for granted. What does that mean? 
That means they are in subservience to God. They are subservient to God. When they are presenting themselves to God, God's in charge. They are not. So just these little things and and the whole picture of, of Job could well be that when these sons of God get together and Satan among them, they're going to see for themselves what God is doing. The whole purpose of Job is not so much the punishment of of Job. It's the glory of God. That we will see God for all. And when the angels see Job respond right and hear all these words, and then God in chapter 37 and 38 and 39 and 40 lets him have it, if you would. I think it's like 78 or 98 different things about God. Can you do this, Job? Can you do that? Can you do that? And Job's like, I, I am undone to see you. And the angels are, should be like, wow. To think that Satan, Lucifer, one time used in the Bible, Lucifer had the audacity to think that he could challenge God. God says, no, there's no comparison. But, but you're, only, you're putting a hedge around, you're putting, he- well, I'm going to stop, we're not talking about Job. Let's go right on. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. The magnify means to grow up. I like this. To become great, to praise, to grow. And so as you and I talk about what God has done for us, other people say, wow, your God's a great God. Can you tell me more? What, what, is, what is your, he, he's upholding everything. How do you know? The Bible says so. Prepare, we should be prepared to, to grow up and, as, as you watch, the, to magnify the Lord. So is this request addressed to the humble? If it is, it is oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Uh, who can make God great but those who feel themselves to be little? You see the greatest all-star of whatever, basketball, football, soccer player, and they know they're pretty good. What was it, that guy from Argentina retired, like one of the greatest soccer players ever, and he's really, really, really good. But some players who are that good, they know it, and they come across into this, oh, I can do this, and I can do that, and just watch me do all these things. That person has a hard time glorifying God. But when it's you and me, I am nothing without you, Lord. I can do nothing unless you help me this day. I pray that almost every day. If I don't, I forget to pray it. It's, Lord, I can't do this by myself. You, this is your church. This is, I want to glorify you this day. Have I always done it that way? No. I'm striving to do that. Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life today, but I ask you to help me. Uh, under question 10, Jehovah is infinite and therefore cannot really be greater But his name grows in manifested glory as he is made known to his creatures and thus he is said to be magnified. Now remember, God is, you cannot get greater than God. I'm not trying to get theological with you. God is, there's nothing beyond God. He is, for eternity, he is the greatest of all. We can't even microscopically, cosmically think about we're going to be like God is and all-knowing like that. We're not. And I'm glad. He is forever. There's never going to be, well, there's going to be, okay, a million years from now, there's going to be uh, Jehovah, not to be disrespectful, but uh, Jehovah too. There's not going to be that. He, there's no one greater. And then you think of how many human beings, they'll worship something of their own hands. 
And by the way, we would too if God had not blessed you to have heard the gospel and be raised with Christian parents or Christian family or someone who took you to church and you heard and you responded. We would be like that ourselves only by God's grace. No praise can excel that which lays us prostrate under a sense of our own nothingness. While divine grace, like some tall alpine mountain, rises before our eyes and sinks us lower and lower in holy awe. When we look at how great God is, we see how small we are. And that's what makes his love even more amazing. Amazing love, how can it be that thou shouldst die for me? We take it for granted. Mr. Womack, almost every time he starts praying is, Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. And we should be, that should be us. Thank you, Jesus, that I have life everlasting. Thank you for coming for us. The Christian, I know the Christian mindset has fallen on, on uh, of, uh, negativism so much of late, last few decades. I, I still remember the quote from a, a, a theologian of the past. He said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian life has not been found tried, or not been tried and found wanting. Oh no. It has been found difficult and left untried. And that, that's what Jesus, Jesus is not calling you to, to a, some easy life of ease. He's calling us to take up our cross and follow him and do what he's asked us to do. That's what he's called us. So then let us exalt his name together. How do we do that? Question 11, how do we exalt? It means to make great, to lift up, to hold up, to raise, uh, to life, etc. How often are we found praising God? The prideful person has a hard time praising God. Well, I did it. I did all these things. I did it my way. Well, that's the wrong attitude to have, by the way. We, we are only by God's. I asked my wife this question. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to answer the question because it's a difficult question. How is it that when a man and woman get together, how does the eternal spirit get into the person? How does the eternal spirit? And the answer is this, in my thinking, God grants life when animals get together there's no eternal spirit involved but when a man, human woman and man get together there is an eternal spirit that results from that and that's why we are so much about the sanctity of human life because god has given that person an eternal life how does that happen god gives life it's 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 i just want to call it a it's a miracle it's the miracle of life that God gives you and me everlasting life. And that's a tough, is that not a tough question? Or It's a tough question to answer correctly. The, my answer is this. It is God. God gives life. And that's why you and I, I mean, we're all on the same page. We all hold to the sanctity of, of human life and how important it is that we as a people, as, that we hold to that. I'll just move right on after that one. Uh, we, we, we find that we are to be, please don't be using his name carelessly. Please, please don't be doing that because uh, we are, we, the effects of, of what we do 
certainly have fallout. I was talking to a person recently, and they said a new person came to their church. I can tell you why she's, and you know why she came? She said because she was attending another church. Actually, it was a member, and she got sick and, and was out for six weeks, and no one contacted her. And then after six weeks, she got a letter from the pastor saying, if you're not going to come faithfully to our church, do you might as well not be, coming a part, not be part of our church anymore. And so she left after six, like six weeks, gone for six, and because she was sick. And so uh, how... And some people after that, and praise the Lord, she went to still going. Some people, though, they never recover from things like that, and they never go back. And so you and I, it behooves us, do they see Jesus in me? You should listen to that song, the Clark family. They see Jesus in me. Is that the name of it? They see Jesus in me. Or I'm going to sing it, or Stephanie's going to sing it some point in time in the future. It just, it just, it just, it will break your, it'll break your pride. Do they see Jesus in my face? Do they see it in yours? So what David remembered, secondly, what David remembered uh, in his, his danger in verse 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Can I just ask you a quick question? Think with me now, theologically speaking again. Has the Lord heard everything David has been doing the entire time he's been in Gath? Yes. So what does David mean here? The Lord heard me. He received him and heard his plea and was willing to answer. So I sought the Lord and he heard me. What's the first pronoun? What's the first word of that verse? I. That's where it starts. You and I, we have got, it's your responsibility it's your responsibility to read the Bible. It's your responsibility to walk with God. It's your responsibility, husbands, to live right. It's your responsibility, wives, to live right, and children and grandchildren and moms and dads and aunts and uncles and Christians. It's I am going to be held accountable. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Spurgeon says, we may seek God even when we have sinned. Listen to this now. If sin could blockade the mercy seat, it would be all over for us. But the mercy is that there are gifts even for the rebellious and an advocate for men who sin. Amen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a wonderful verse? It is. Question 12. How does 34.4 fit in with David and his time with Achish and the people of Gath? I sought the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from what? All my fears. Saul. Saul's henchman. How about four big centers who play for the Philistine the Olympic basketball team, Goliath's brothers? Oh my goodness gracious. Can you four of those and the king and the people and I've got Goliath's sword and they know who I am and wow, he delivered me from all my fears. Am I ever going to escape here? What can I do? Oh, I'm going to act insane. Aren't you glad the mercy seat is open? Oh, pastor, I would never do that. Oh, perhaps we're doing something worse. Remember, it's, it's, it's not, uh, if we commit one sin, we're guilty of all. I mean, you, you, you need salvation as much as Saddam Hussein needed salvation. You and I need salvation as much as Adolf Hitler needed salvation. 
It's not like, oh, well, I've I've done these things and I've, I've raised my level and he doesn't have to reach down quite so far to save me. Mm, there we go, get in trouble if we think that way. In 1 Samuel 21, David was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Here was a man who could slay a lion, a bear, a giant, the man who confidently said to the king on page 3, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. But he knew his danger there in Gath was greater than any he'd ever known. Question 13, we close with this question. Why was the danger in Gath greater than any he had ever known? He's in the wrong place. Exactly. Out of God's will. You can, be, you can be next door out of God's will and be in danger, or you could be across on Mount Kilimanjaro somewhere and in God's will and safer than next door out of God's will. True, 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 true. All right. I've, it's a wonderful psalm. If, you, if I can tell you nothing else, get into the book, and it will change you. As you from glory to glory, he's changing me. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we go out from us, give us safety. Help us to enjoy this coming Christmas season as we celebrate this weekend, especially Sunday. It is your birthday. May we contemplate what we're going to give you this year. Bless us now as we go out. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.